Okay, so we're rolling. Before we start talking about this movie, though, we do need to mention the the fact there is a missing entry in the trio podcast chronology, because Which before this one? one we were meant to do sex crimes. Oh wait! But the good news is it doesn't exist anymore. Oh yeah, yeah, because we the only result only that them. I could turn up from Sex Crimes nineteen ninety two film was uh, a five minute link from a porno site. Okay. Uh, and it was something. Those ab- are always trustworthy. And it was something along the lines of "hot bitch revenge kill fuck." I did not watch it. <laughs> yeah, I I don't blame you for that one. Fucking crazy because there's a Sex Crimes two, which has a similar blurb, but when you search Sex Crimes 1992, that's the one that comes up. But it's not the Sex Crimes that we want to <laughs> see. It's the other Sex Crimes. Cause it's never, it's never the Sex Crimes you want to see, is it? Yeah. Uh, long story short. We didn't see that. No big deal. And I don't think anyone should have to see that. <laughs> Instead, we watched Doppelganger 1993. Which was also pretty fucking terrible, which no one wanted to see. Terrible in a different way. Should it was not the, the serious dark drama that I was expecting, man. I, think anyone... I didn't see the trailer before we watched it, so I, I had no expectations going in. I was surprised to see it was Drew, Drew Barrymore as the star of it as well. Yeah, okay, so here's the first thing that we need to discuss... Drew Barrymore was like a, a sex idol kind of thing, and I did not know this. Yeah, but when this movie was filmed in 1993, I looked it up just to see how, how like, whether I'd be on any government watch lists for watching it. <laughs> but she was literally... <laughs> the tagline for this fucking yeah, podcast. <laughs> she was literally just like, just turned 18 and being sexually exploited all the fuck over. Oh, the Danny movie. Trio podcast. Are you safe now? Question mark. <laughs> I mean... Uh, what I always said about this, our, our catchphrase is, uh, that was really uncomfortable to watch. <laughs> <laughs> and this kind of was as well. Yeah, man. I, I mean, mean, considering the first scene is just her walking through New York and it cut, it keeps smash cutting to her, like, uh, having sex with a creepy old dude who's, she's moaning like crazy and he's like treating sex like he's putting together a 400 jigsaw <laughs> piece of the flowers on his dead mother's grave. He just looks so uninterested and just fucking depressed while he's doing it. The noises were wrong and everything as well. And it wasn't even like... Never comes up again. It wasn't classic B-movie like riling on top of each other naked. He was just eating some puss for a while. Not even doing that. Just pushing a skirt around a little bit. (laughs) She was fucking loving it though. Whatever. But this never comes up again at all. over her voice was enjoying it a lot. But yeah, fuck. So, Drew Barrymore was making a lot of these movies we've been watching, the uh, erotic thriller things, and they were just exploitation of uh, an attractive young lady, basically. Yeah. Uh, I looked up some uh, comments online from the trailer for this, and it was just uh, people that were adamant. It was a great movie, and they don't make them like that anymore. <laughs> Who Carl are these she people? She was hot. Why, why are these people not in prison? You know... This is this is not not to go on a racist tangent. Another catchphrase okay. <laughs> for the podcast. <laughs> We've got, we are just the worst. These movies, a lot of them were made by um, Israeli directors. Okay. Because well, not because in result of canon movies were very big in Israel. You know okay. the Bronson stuff. The revenge killer things. Yeah. They were very big in Israel. And then that like started like a boom of filmmaking, which was basically, look what we can do for cheap. And they took off quite well. They sold quite well because they were quite cheap. 
and that got them enough on their CV, I guess, that they could come over to America and make quote unquote real movies, <laughs> erotic thrillers. If you look through the CVs of these guys, the the IMDb CVs of these guys, though, which I always do, we had a few of them on this. It's always like the one thing that they've made here with Danny Trio in and some other <laughs> extra and some other actors of the time, and then nothing else ever again. So is Danny Trio laundering money for the Israeli mob on these? <laughs> or oh, one of many actors doing the, this? The, Israeli movie sentiment seems to be like a story that looks good on paper, dialogue that looks good on a first draft, and then some lady getting her tits out. Something for everyone to enjoy there. Early on, I compared it to a pornography in, in, in the fact that it's just very uncomfortable, long readings of dialogue about what's going to happen next, and then yeah. just weird things happening. <laughs> Like the first, that off, that, like, all the the dialogue just trails off as well. There's a lot of talking, very quiet, hushed tones about like stuff that could, uh, you could sort of hear every other word. Yeah, and they would like they would like drive somewhere, and then they say, "Well, my brother died, and then this happened, and then I saw this, which made me do that, and now I'm here. Oh, and here we are in the next scene." <laughs> a lot of scenes just didn't seem to have a point to them. Fucking. So the point of the movie was there's a doppelganger. Yeah, I think you get going into it. It's like, okay, okay so there's a doppelganger. Uh, one of them's going to be blaming for something, for the something else. And then Drew Barrymore turns into the Wolverine and kills this lady in her apartment. <laughs> That's one of the funniest murder scenes I've ever seen. Because it's like, she stabs this woman. Um, and like the woman's still screaming with a knife stuck in her chest with her arms flailing everywhere. And Drew Barrymore just calmly closes the door while she still stood there. While the woman's like, oh my God, I'm being murdered. And she's like, yeah. I'll just close the door over, get my knife back. One, two, three. Stab, stab, stab. <laughs> but is this like where a hand turns gooey and stuff for this early as well? Yeah, that n- doesn't come up again until the very end. Yeah, there's a lot of like transformation, like uh, Cronenberg stuff, basically. Yeah. And this is like, okay, is this what this movie's going to be about? And then it doesn't happen again, so you're like, all right, it's not. It That's was symbolic. I can thing. live with that. We'll move on. Maybe a hand was it. just sweaty, you know? Yeah. It happens. You, you, you're going to stab somebody. Your hand's going to get a bit sweaty, you know. Sweaty palms and whatnot. High pressure situation, I guess, yeah. So we just move on to her... And then she's in LA. Uh, LA, yeah. And she's, she's pulling up to a, 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 a random block of flats. And she says to the taxi driver, Wait here, I'll be back in, back in a sec. And he's like, oh, no problem. They have a whole, like... Um, she goes as this very long shot following up the stairs to this random dude's house. And he's like, oh, by the way, I'm a writer. Did you know writers thrive in anarchy? But when I'm doing my writing, I sometimes take naps on the couch. And it's like, I don't talk about being a writer this much. And that's basically all I fucking do. <laughs> like five seconds, five seconds into this and he's just bombarding her with how cool his job is and how poor he is. It was welcome to LA right there. That's uh, what it was. It's a nice fucking flat for a guy who clearly isn't getting paid for his work. Like, yeah, and he's and they, it's so weird that his idea is to rent out the one room in this flat to someone else, yeah. and he he'll just sleep on it on the couch yeah. for a few minutes. Like that's his. Pro- why why would anyone fucking be okay with that? You know, there was one room, one bathroom, and one kitchen, and they were like, ah. I, I'm, you won't see me. I'll be I'll be working diligently on my screenplay, which is about two gay vampire cops. It, they mentioned the movie. It's like an interracial buddy cop vampire movie, and I'd be romance much, was thrown in there. Romance yeah, was. I'd it. much <laughs> rather be watching that movie than this one. 
They were, that they sounds were, amazing. Yeah, like, it, the movie developed as well because it just started off as something about two vampires, and, was like, and yeah, then yeah. I was like, okay, okay, okay. But then it was a buddy gay robots, buddy gay romance vampire cop movie. Buddy gay robots who are also vampires. I'd watch as well, just or a robot and a vampire. We should be writing these down. These are brilliant. These are solid gold. We could live in a creepy flat above a hell mouth and uh, <laughs> rent out a room to Drew Barrymore and a horrible goo twin. Early 90s, emancipated from her parents, probably on a lot of cocaine. Drew Barrymore. Um, she's having a lot of nosebleeds as well, which I was like, <laughs> oh, that's just, that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I like Drew Barrymore. I'm not that against I think she's yeah. good, but the, the Drew Barrymore of my mind is the fun girl next door, Drew Barrymore. Of, you know, Adam Sandler movie fame. Like, I could have done without this. It didn't do her any favours. I got the impression she was just going through the motions with this. She just, she'd cash the paycheck. She the just, the you know, IMDb just... of this time is it's loads of stuff like a young teenage girl seduces older parents, seduces yada yada. Young teenage girl is sexually violated by yada yada. It's it's creepy ass stuff. Yeah, man. It's this this weird sex death revenge rape fantasies things that was big in the 90s for some reason Probably. and hopefully will be passed soon because i'm fucking sick of it yeah we worked out like there's so many movies ahead of this till we get to stuff where danny trio actually stars in i'm sorry so we, we just, we, let's get through this yeah. so they're in la she's uh living in this guy's house big crucifix on the wall there and he's he while he's writing he goes to meet his uh writing partner uh this woman who immediately as soon as he says oh i've got a new roommate she's this woman i met and she just flips out like and starts mm-hmm. really like her reaction is just insane like just crazy jealous monster stuff so you think like okay she's gonna be evil later on but she isn't nope that never comes up again i think they eventually resolve this quote 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 unquote subplot um, when she's like, how dare you? I've been suffering for six months waiting for you to come around and us to get back together again. And a naked dude walks out. He's like, oh, hey, how's it going? And that was like in the last 10, 15 yeah. minutes as well. I mean, we didn't give a shit about either of them. It was so hard to fucking keep up with what the actual plot of this was because you, the whole thing, you're looking at going like, so she's like a psycho crazy lady because that's what the, the, the synopsis said. Yeah. But then other stuff happens. We're like, oh, she's got like a brother who's in a mental ward, who hasn't spoken in ten years. But then both the parents are dead. When she goes to see him, she he hasn't spoken in ten years and gets up. Yeah. But that never fucking comes out again. And then they just go and visit him all the time. Yeah, but when it's... when it gets to like the 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 brother in in a mental ward and the comments I the the writer man makes is like, oh, you're both very good looking people. It's like, oh, okay, so it's going to be him who's going to be the doppelganger and he's going to be in a mask or some shit. Okay. But then we don't really start asking questions about who. It's just... like It only comes into the the writer guy's world world when they they fuck in the kitchen. Yeah, of course, of course they do. Because, of course, they do. (laughs) And then the next day... They fuck in the kitchen and like there's a tree banging on the window all creepily and it's like the tree's (laughs) trying to get in on it. It's like, hey, guys... I got lube. Yeah, I mean, like the tree, the, lube. the tree banging on the window, the fact that there's this weird green light and this red light whenever they open the door. Like, they're trying to do horror movie things. Yeah, they're trying to set up that she, she's she got an evil side to her, and the evil side only comes out uh, when the green and red light's flashing on the screen. I mean, it just doesn't work because, like, even though it is green and red lights 
taking up a scene and changing the colour, it's not scary. Yeah. It's not it's... really unnerving. The only thing unnerving is the bad acting and the lack of any <laughs> plot or meaning. <laughs> terrifying. But they, they, they fuck on the floor. Uh, he wakes up next to a big cat poop and then they uh, then she's like ghosting him. When he's like, yeah, and she just pretends like, oh, that's just that's just my doppelganger. <laughs> it's fine. She does that from time to time. Just ignore her, you know. Didn't, didn't say, well, well, hang on. I, I made a whole meal for her. <laughs> we were sitting here for ages. Where were you in this one bedroom apartment? <laughs> Is this fucking shit that annoys me? These movies we've seen so much—they just go along with it so goddamn fast. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, Doppelganger, yeah, okay, just instantly, just there whatever. We go. And that Colin Firth bullshit, like that—the whole thing was about like split personalities, and he's like, yep, yeah, okay, fine. And that's what this transpires to be, doesn't it? Because then the psychiatrist shows up at some point, saying, oh, she's uh, she got split personalities, lad. Don't worry about it. Yeah, the psychiatrist who looks identical to her brother while simultaneously being like twenty years older. Um, we'll come back to that because I wrote loads of stuff down about this they're both blonde people with like quite feminine faces so that that comes up again so I might as well go right to it the ending is basically uh, someone disguising themselves as her and I watched it the whole way through I can't work out who the fuck it was disguised as her it was either a brother or the psychiatrist and I cannot tell you which one it was so, I could watch that again and be like because neither one of them made any fucking impression on this like generic white yeah, boy yeah. looks as like it wasn't a shock to see them it's just badly badly filmed badly acted you know if you so, can't work out who the actual the shock twist is at the end at some point the he the writer man gets pulled aside by someone who lives in the building oh, it's brilliant. It, and it's, it's the greatest part of this movie <laughs> the guy leaves a message on his answer machine it's like really suggestive message oh he left a left a package in flat number six Ooh. <laughs> come over whenever you got a chance big boy and he goes over and the guy drags him in and he's like starts slapping him he's like eh. he's just like the tough throw him against the wall cop thing but he's like so much shorter than him and he's wearing his little pink shirt <laughs> got a lisp and everything <laughs> <laughs> and then instead of like hitting him he just gives him a little slap on the cheek <laughs> it's like he starts telling him about the um because ostensibly he's an fbi guy who by the way does not come into the movie again mm-hmm. um uh, he says like oh drew barrymore stabbed this woman in new york to open and shut case right wrong and just yells at him like he's been snorting cocaine in that room on his own and the guy hasn't said anything yet he's like trying to get a word in edgewise and this guy's just talking over him Telling them his crazy fucking ideas. Super fast. And, and it's again, it's in the, the quote-unquote spooky lights, but it just looks like some weird, like, heroin room, basically. They do a thing at the end where uh, Reiterman finds a bunch of mannequins with all the, the people that he's met along the way. Yeah, um, just sort of are. saying, that, like, um, this person, either her brother or her psychiatrist, has been dressing up as everyone he's met up to this point. Which but is why when you see this comes dude up, in this room... We see which is why when we see this dude in this room, he's got like a different voice, which brings me to a very, a very loud point I want to raise. <laughs> the ADR in this movie, the dubbing over of the voices, is fucking terrible. 
It's it, it doesn't it doesn't match the lips. It's too fast to read. They've done this weird thing where someone involved in the process has gone like, "Well, there's lots of scenes with lots of people in the background. We need to put some dialogue of them in talking." And it's just so obvious because it's just like rhubarb, rhubarb, rhubarb. Hey, nice shit. Yeah. Rhubarb, rhubarb, rhubarb. <laughs> the brilliant one. Whether it's so bad, and it's like in every other scene, every third scene has that in, and you're just like, Jesus Christ. I'm talking about my favourite line in the whole movie with the FBI dudes slapping him around, <laughs> not giving him a chance to speak. He's like, so you're fucking her, huh? So one of those arrangements where you scratch my back, I lick your balls. Sir, that's <laughs> not the saying at all. <laughs> oh, he hasn't had a chance to answer yet. He's been slapped about. He's already been threatened to get his balls licked. Scratch my back, I lick your balls. Why don't you threaten me with a good time? <laughs> Detective. Uh, you... And- after t- after Drew Barrymore tells Reitman, who's got a lot of fucking reasons to be terrified right now, she keeps brandishing knives all every, the fucking time. Every, in every time scene. they sit down <laughs> for a meal, she's got a knife. She's just at his she's face. chopping and chopping stuff off while he's sleeping with this huge fuck off knife. They're in the middle of having dinner together. It's like, so do you want some more bread? Brandishes the knife in front of him. It's just, do you not helping your case, Drew Barrymore? There was a bit where they go to the the industry party after that oh, as well, yeah. and she's uh, she shows up all in an all conservative, uh, mean lady gear, and then the the music starts, and then she does like, this sexy dance thing, which goes on for way too fucking long. It goes on for a long time, man. <laughs> like ten minutes. It's it. that's what the trailer must have been built out of. It was this point where I googled how old she how old she would have been <laughs> at which the time because I wanted you an to, idea of what's happening yeah. in that scene showing because I wanted to like report someone for this. But this is also the time when I was saying like her hair was too frazzly, like the conditioner she was using was not working for her, and someone should have took her aside and said, "Honey, take care of your roots." So, so just to put this into context, you've got a very attractive woman doing a sexy dance on screen. Mm-hmm. My thought immediately mm-hmm. goes to, "This has got to be illegal." Yeah. Liam's thought immediately goes to, "God, her hair's a mess." It was a mess. This though. tells you so much are about you, us. Are you telling me it wasn't a mess? <laughs> Do you want me to wind that back so you can see it? <laughs> I'll buy an extra big TV so we can see the detail of those split ends. We can shame Drew Barrymore in the 90s for her split ends. I'm just going to send her this, that scene because, guess what, a lot of people have clipped it and put it on YouTube to masturbate to. I don't think that I'm she gonna, would... I'm going to send her that scene just with the, with the hashtag... Girl! I th- I hashtag just, roots. I just think if you, if you reminded her of this movie at all, she'd just immediately have lawyers all over you. Just... To just deny she was ever in it, and I think good fair play to her because I wouldn't want to be involved yeah, with totally. this either. And uh, she she wants to cash in on the thing. I, I mean, don't forget she started off as like what a fucking six year old or something. She's been in was the business. First the movie was ET, was ET, it? Yeah. yeah. She's surrounded herself with the wrong people, and she's she's trying to be edgy crowd, and stuff. Yeah. And this is what was edgy at the time. But anyway, in the the party scene, her nose starts bleeding, and then a lady like LA explodes. industry party noses must be bleeding all over. Like, this this the unusual. weird first instance of like effects where like a lady gets um, wine oh, spilt yeah. on her, which is like the trigger, and then her nose starts bleeding, and then. I don't know how to describe shirt, it. Because she was wearing a ra- white, uh, she was wearing a white shirt, and yeah. she gets red wine poured on her, and so it looks like blood. And it just she just morphs into the woman who'd been murdered, still doing the crazy arm flail and screaming. And Drew Barrymore just freaks out. 
But you'd be forgiven for thinking like, okay, so she's killed the first lady and now she's having flashbacks to her because she's a doppelganger, but she's got split personality disorder. Which, incidentally, I had this exact same tangent in the Colin Firth movie about split personality disorder. I'm going to say it again. Movies like this and the Colin Firth movie are the reason why no one took that condition serious. Yeah. A lot of people... Got got uh, got sentenced to horrible life imprisonments because their only defense was like, "Look, this dude was mentally ill," and they uh-huh. said, "But we didn't enter the plea of mentally ill. We entered a plea of split personality disorder, and it became such an in vogue thing to make movies out of that eventually people just went, "Oh no, it's a movie thing." Yeah, and it's 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 a serious. It, is. Uh, it doesn't play out like it, it does in a... movies, though. What's the thing? But anyway, let's just fucking get, let's get to the end of this. The ending is something special. So, at the end of this movie, someone has called while Drew Barrymore's... Um, just, I just want to quickly go back. They talk about when the writer man starts talking about doppelgangers with his writing partner. She says, oh, I know a, a woman who used to be a nun who works as a sex line, sex line now, because of course we do. She knows all about this stuff. They don't go and see her till towards the very <laughs> end. And... Um, she just says like, "Oh, the secret ingredients, love. You know, just just love. Love will get them yeah. back together. It's fine." And then you know that just that scene happened. Plays also, on out. the hot and untopic, there was a dream sequence which we didn't know was a dream sequence till after. A lot of where, these fucking dream sequences. Where Jude Barrymore was getting crucified. Yeah, not metaphorically, literally, literally. Uh, being hammered up to a cross there, and you just walk into a room and that's happening. Yeah. There's two or three, like, I think there's three fake-out uh, dream-ending, dream things, and by the third one, you're like, fuck off. <laughs> Don't insult my intelligence. So, uh, the doppelganger has killed, well, has stabbed up her brother. Uh, yeah. She's been framed for the murder, but there wasn't enough evidence, so she's free now. There is a bloody knife in Reitman's apartment, yes, so we skip over that. The doppelganger calls while she's there, so it's like, oh, so it is two people. Okay, she's going to go sort it. The right man's not going to get involved, but Psych, of course he's going to get involved because he's a man and he has to be involved. That's brilliant. Like He goes there with his writing partner slash ex-lover and he's like, so are you going to come in with me? And she's like, ha, fucking no. (laughs) No. Just laughs at him like, ah, no, I'm going to sit here in the car. She was undoubtedly the best part of this movie because she even started off with like love-struck idiots and then she was like adjusting to, you know, she's getting some dick. Good for her. You go, girl. Yas, queen. And then it's like, but will then you be also... there by my side and help me? Nope. No. <laughs> but then she actually does that once before where she go, where they're trying to check out the FBI dude's apartment with, and then she's got the baseball bat and she goes in first. All she's learned a lesson. It's like, oh, I've done this twice. I'm not doing this twice. Fuck you. Okay. I, I didn't think about it. I didn't remember that. So in the end, the only part of this movie that's worth checking out. <laughs> the ending is fucking so... bizarre. The there's a there's a room full of mannequins all dressed like other people who've been in this movie. The FBI like, agent, uh, one of the the people he met at the industry party as a producer, uh, a couple of other people that um, he's met and says, "Oh shit, someone's been disguising themselves yes. as as like different people." And as the and they also said early on that the dad's body was never found, so you're like yeah. that could be an they answer. Don't mention what the... the brother's still alive after being stabbed. That could be an answer. Yeah, and, and then writing partner's still outside, so that could be another red herring. Sure, possibly. why not? Then then there's like the empty house, the empty spooky house, climactic knife stabbing scene where the villain reveals who he is. Yeah, and I, he takes off his hat. And I was like, oh, okay, it's the brother we commented on how they look alike. But then he takes off a mask. He's got a latex mask. Yeah. And then it's the, the, the psychiatrist. Who's and I couldn't in, like, work out who scene. that was. Cause he, he was in like, one scene. Yeah. It was a psychiatrist or her brother, and I couldn't work out which one it was. So it was the psychiatrist because okay. Drew Barrymore was abused by her father. And... Just to 
exclaimer for the um, potential, you know, uh, law people who might be listening to this. Drew Barrymore's character. Drew Barrymore's character. It's not. Starts and we can't finish it. <laughs> That's what the father said. <laughs> oh, we're going to prison. <laughs> we're going to prison. That's uh, it. We're going away. <laughs> so the father's been abusing her. Uh, the the brother like apparently walks in and sees this and pushes him out of a window or some shit. Yeah. And, and that after that he goes catatonic and doesn't speak again. Yes. Ends up in the and ward. Drew Barrymore develops a split personality disorder, which he's seeking the professional help for. But the psychiatrist is having sex with the evil personality. Was he? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's what that, that pussy in scene in the beginning was. Or will the... Uh, that was. Again, this I guy think, gave no fucking impression to the camera at all. It's, he's the above bonders. So, uh, but he's like, now he really wants to keep keep her because the relationship between Reiterman and Drew Barrymore's character was progressing to a point where she didn't transform into the evil personality after having sex. So they were getting closer. He didn't like that. He wants to keep it for herself. Yada, yada, yada. That makes sense. That could be what the movie is. Drew Barrymore's tied up listening to this and she starts wigging out. Yeah. And shit starts shaking. And now I go, oh, well, this is actually quite good, this, Matt, because very early on, she mentioned she had a fear of earthquakes, even though she moved to LA, she knew one was going to happen eventually. So everything's shaking. I'm like, oh, yeah, so this is the earthquake that's happening, and that's gonna, he's going to fall out of a window or some shit, and it's going to resolve itself nicely. Did that happen? No. <laughs> Fucking aliens happened What's instead. What's the one thing that you... Wh- Fucking to this, aliens happened instead. Listening to this random rabble of noise that we've been making about this movie, <laughs> what's the least likely thing you would think would happen at this point? If you, if you chose that Drew Barrymore morphs into a Cronenberg worm monster and splits apart into two alien beasts, one of which just starts slapping about the psychiatrist guy. You'd be dead, right? It's, it's funny because that's exactly what happens. The Good nun, special effects. The for, nun lady said, like time. the the nun lady said that oh people think it's just a thing, but it's an actual thing. It might be just souls that have not found their way to the other world. No one thinks that. No one thinks that. I bet she didn't Doppel- even think that. Doppelgangers are just a thing that goes like, oh, there's someone who looks like you. He's a doppelganger for you. And everyone goes, oh, yeah, I, I believe that. I remember... That's th- fine. The That's theory, a thing. The actual myth is that if you find your own doppelganger, you die instantly because the, the sheer terror of seeing yourself just makes your heart stop. But it doesn't make you turn into a goo monster. <laughs> like, he's just made that up completely. I think they had a special effects budget and they wanted something to justify it. I don't know how and they had it. What year did the thing all. come out? Was that the thing was before this one? It, it must have been. So maybe they're trying to... because they're trying to cash in on the Cronenberg horror aspect of it, which just comes out of nowhere. There's there's no build up. There's a few flashes of like random monsters like intercut, and I just thought the editor was asleep and was splicing <laughs> in bits of another movie or something. Nineteen eighty two. The thing was. This is 1993, so yeah, good while before. And it doesn't like the the guy like, is like stabbing it in its chest plates, and it just pushes him, and he flies yeah, out the yeah. window, and then it just kind of ends. She can't like the the alien. The, the one of the alien together. monsters just points at him. That the writer man's like, and then <laughs> she goes back to they morph back into a Drew Bar- a full Drew Barrymore. Um, they do another end and fake out yeah, where they it's move Drew Barrymore's back into a Drew funeral. Barrymore, and you think, okay, so that's sorted. But then she's dead. Yeah, and you think, oh, okay, she died from that. And then Reiterman's waiting at her coffin. She walks in, 
Like a and hot version of her walks in with like a new white dress, not like the the evil dark dress. And then turns into a goo beast and she's like she's like rubbing her fanny all over and like getting his like she's like putting his, she's putting her knee in his crotch, which is somehow erotic to someone somewhere. And then he just wakes up from another dream, yeah, I guess, it's, it's because we're in a hospital. Dream, it's a dream sequence, and he's at a hospital, and she sort of wakes up. And the music box she's been listening to this entire time. Yeah, he time. puts the music box on as this, like, oh, this will soothe her while I'm asleep. Uh, but she said that the music box was a gift from her father, and we know now that her father was abusing her. So she wakes up and just pushes the musical box off, and it bounces, breaks on the floor, symbolizing the, the, the power he had over her has been destroyed. Reality has been distorted. Not symbolizing anything about fucking goo monsters coming out of Cronenberg <laughs> Wehrmigs. It was the most confusing, out of left field, weird, but also very entertaining left turn <laughs> I've ever seen. Not in any Danny Trio movie, any movie. And we didn't speak of this. So busy talking about how creepily weird and awesome this movie was that we didn't mention the Danny Trio scene. The at Danny Trio, yes, of a hard hat wearing man, hooting construction worker, <laughs> yelling, yelling abuse at. Drew Barrymore in Spanish. Drew Barrymore drops something before she gets in the car and bends over. There is a slight upscare shot. And Danny Trio's comment. Danny Trio's character comments on this. And she walks over and knees him in the balls. Yeah. Which is not very erotic to for, for Danny Trio. And his his construction worker mates just fucking let it happen. Like ah, look at you, you've been fucking told. Yeah, Danny Trio basically says uh, she says like, would you talk to your sister like that? And Danny Trio says, my sister wouldn't wear something like that, asking for it. Me. And then she knees him in the balls. Once again, uh, giving evidence to the Danny Trio um, contractual abiding that anyone, any dick he plays has to get the comeuppance. That guy gets his comeuppance because yeah. it was a bit of a dick move, lad. But his, his construction worker mates sort of back off and probably have a laugh at him when mm. the car's gone. That doesn't seem advisable around Danny Trio. <laughs> don't, you don't fucking... He gets comeuppance, but I'll tell you, doesn't. Like when we're in the, the industry party, like there's the dude who's just like dead handsy with there's everyone. There's a bunch of people who are dead handsy. Who, who actually like, gets like. The 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 spunky female psychic actually like breaks his finger because he was quote unquote touching her. What did she say? Touching a twat. Touching a twat. A twat. American twat. Yeah. Twat. Twat. And but then she also bangs him later on. So there yeah. you go. But everyone, <laughs> no this, every and... single man at this party is just fucking oh, sneezing yeah, yeah. over people, it's groping them and stuff. Dudes. It's like. I mean, L.A. in the 90s, that's probably what was going on. It's probably only, true to life. Only other thing I've got to say about this movie is the musical score was was the the most invested we've seen so far. There, there was actually an orchestra there, but it was also used so wrong. There was some money behind this, though, because they had the it full like, orchestra to do the score. It was they like John Williams, and, uh, John Williams on a very lazy day, you know what I mean? <laughs> it was just, he had all the... the he had all the people there, and he just, just like, uh, dramatic sting there. And no, that doesn't need dramatic sting, mate. That needs quiet subtextual thought. No, no, it needs a spooky noises. No, we don't need spooky <laughs> noises right here, said Mr. Williams. No, we do. We need more spooky noises. Bad. Very dramatic score for what was Music, going on. acting, directing, <laughs> script, bad. But Drew Barrymore's boobs and uh, Cronenberg and Hellworms, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. I mean, it, we weren't expecting it, so, you know, who doesn't need more Cronenbergian hell beasts in their life, you know? It was one of the, the most entertaining things we watched on because I was like, what's going on now? Yeah. Who's this? What's that? Yeah, so I let's can, yeah. 
give it the the machete rating. Let's never mention this movie again. <laughs> it was only one Danny Trio scene in there, so it doesn't really count as a Danny Trio movie. So probably like point five machetes, maybe a machete handle. Oh, for less less of a machete. And uh, would you recommend that to anyone else to watch? It'd be if you've got time and you kind of want to see some freaky uh, Cronenberg and Lovecraftian flobbery <laughs> worm monster splitting into two Drew Barrymore's, you know, it's, it's the best movie to find for that. <laughs> and it's worth checking out. The the ending is probably worth checking out. You can you watch that scene on watch, YouTube on yeah, its own. Just you probably do don't that. need to watch the whole thing right through. Right through. Do you not think it was weirdly sexualizing Drew Barrymore? Yeah, in a really young uncomfortable way as well. I'm usually all in favour of that, but the fact that I personally don't find her attractive ruined it for me. I mean, I do, and I, I and the fact I'm that she was very young. With it. Yeah, I'm just. I guess I'm just getting old and mature. Yeah, and, and good on me. But the internet's not. We are not. the best. <laughs> <laughs> we are the best men ever. So that was Doppelganger 1993. There's a lot of stuff happening in 1993 for the trees. Hopefully next. something where he, where he plays more of a role. I don't know about this next one. Blood in, blood out. Based on the true life experience of poet Jimmy Sagnatino Back, the film focuses on stepbrothers Paco and Cruz. Oh, there you go. And the biracial cousin Miklo. It opens in 1972 as the three are members of an East LA gang known as the Vatas Locos. And the story focuses on how a violent crime and the influence of narcotics alter their lives. Miko is incarcerated and sent to San Quentin. I guess someone's going to pop up there. Where he makes a home for himself. Homes in quotation marks. Cruz becomes an exceptionally an exceptionally artist. An exceptional artist. That makes more sense. Cruz becomes an exceptional artist. But a heroin addict. Oh. Cruz becomes an exceptional artist. Cruz becomes an exceptional artist, but a heroin addict, but a heroin addiction overcomes him with tragic results. It's a weird way that sentence. It's not worded well. And Paco becomes a cop and the enemy of, and the enemy to his cardinal, Miko. Okay, that sounds interesting. That could be an experience. I mean, it depends on how many worm monsters show up. To give it a true. I'm all rating. about the wear monsters <laughs> now, yeah. Decided that's my thing. That's Put that on a t shirt. Danny Drew a podcast. I'm all about, about the wear monsters. monsters yo. You're getting them wear monster movies. Uh, the trio's not in like the top list, and for this, oh, it's man. an extended page, so he's going to be prison something or other. Prison inmate number something. Yeah. But hey, you never know. Could be good. You never know. Join us next time and find out. I'd love to watch a good movie in one of these at one point. <laughs> Once we get to 1995, I think we'll be better odds, but that's still a long way away. Stick it out with us, because maybe, like us, you have nothing else to do with your time. (laughs) Now that's a catchphrase. (laughs) Boom. Thank you, Danny Thank you, Danny